It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Even in Hitler Germany, you could... You can cross the Alps into Switzerland. You can hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. I visited in 1962 East Germany with my father and met people who had climbed the wall and escaped. So it was possible. Many died drilling it, but it was possible. Today, the mechanisms are being put in place that will make it so none of us can run and none of us can hide. The, Within five years, we're going to see 415,000 low-orbit satellites. Bill Gates says his 65,000 satellites alone will be able to look at every square inch of the planet 24 hours a day. They're putting in 5G to harvest our data and control our behavior. Digital currency that will allow them to punish us from a distance and cut off our food supply. That was Robert F. Kennedy Jr. speaking at the big rally on Sunday over the mandates. I told you there were probably 35,000 people there, which is a lot, uh, especially since I don't think that the thing got promoted as fully as it could have. I didn't even know about it. Uh, so, um, But the, the doctors that are involved in this on the front lines, Dr. Corey, uh, uh, um, Dr. Robert Malone, and others, uh, are, were there to speak, and after the rally on the Capitol and the march to the to the Lincoln Memorial, uh, there was on Monday yesterday a hearing uh, convened by Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, and these uh, really bold, uh, principled medical men uh, testified, and so um, we will bring you more audio of that later as it becomes available. But one of the things that they talked about was the mortality and the, the damage uh, these these uh, vaccines are doing. The person that testified was an attorney named Thomas Renz. <coughs> I'm so sorry. M many of you are familiar with him. And he talked about the mortality rate and the damage to people. I want you to hear what he has to say, clip five. So we've got three whistleblowers who have given me permission at this point to share their name. Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Teresa Long, D-O-M-P-H, Dr. Samuel Sigloff and Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Peter Chambers, DO and flight surgeon. All three have, have given me this data. I have declarations from all three. This data is under penalty. Of, uh, this is under penalty of perjury. We intend to submit this to the courts. Uh, we have substantial data showing that uh, we saw, for example, uh, miscarriages increased by 300 percent over the five-year average, almost. Uh, we saw almost 300% increase in cancer over the five-year average. Cancer is not being talked about except for by Dr. Ryan Cole. Thank you, doctor. Uh, we saw, this one's amazing, neurological. So f neurological issues which would affect our pilots. Over a 1,000% increase. 
a uh, thousand. Ten times. That's ten times the rate, and obviously that resonates. 83,000 per year, to, I'm sorry, 82,000 per year to 863,000 in one year. Our soldiers are being experimented on, injured, and sometimes possibly killed. Dr. Corey, thank you so much for your stance on the corruption. That's precisely what it is. They know this, and Senator, uh, when these doctors are attacked, not necessarily the people in this room, I'm give, not giving names, they call me. I'm the one dealing with the medical boards. I'm the one watching the witch hunts. I'm the one fighting them off, and I'm the one telling them where to go. I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, that was just part of the hearing yesterday, and again, that was the attorney, Thomas Renz. I want to repeat to you what he just said. He said that in the adverse reactions that they're tracking, and they have other ways to find out besides the VARS report, which is voluntary. Of course, these are not. Uh, this is what they can know. I'm sure it's not complete. Uh, the rate of miscarriages after the vaccine increased 300%. Uh, the rate of increased cancer was over 300%. The increase in neurological issues over 1,000%. From 82,000 yearly average to now 863,000 in one year with the vaccines. And then he goes on. He has just a bit more to say. Let's listen. 928, 2021. Project Salus Weekly Report. Project Salus is a defense, defense department initiative where they report and contract, uh, they take all this data that doesn't exist, supposedly, and they give it to the CDC. They're watching these vaccines. On that date, and around that date, I have numerous instances where Fauci and that entire crew were saying, it's a crisis of unvaxxed. It's 99% unvaxxed in the hospital. In Project Salus, in the weekly report, the DOD document says, specifically, 71% of new cases are in the fully vaxxed, and 60% of hospitalizations are in the fully vaxxed. This is corruption at the highest level. We need investigations. The Secretary of Defense needs investigated. The CDC needs to be investigated. And thank you so much, Senator, for having the courage to stand against these special interests. So, so that was the attorney speaking at the, at the hearing yesterday for Senator Ron Johnson, Pierre Corey, uh, tweeted this. He was there, and he gave testimony for Senator Johnson's panel also. Before he gave it, he said, I am even more livid than the last two times I testified. I just want to end the relentless, non-scientific, and corrupt, captured health agency actions. Enough. All right, so people are doubling down. They're getting more angry, but of course, uh, we know that government is powerful right now. I have a lot to say about this today, but I want to center first of all, on this whole notion of deaths happening and disease, uh, deaths and injuries from the vaccines. And this uh, is something I have not even brought to your attention, but it, I need to. And that is uh, what, what we have noticed, what statisticians have been noticing, is that there are lots of deaths. There is a spike in deaths among prime-age Americans. So I'm going to read uh, this, at least some of it, from the Epoch Times, Americans have been dying at a significantly higher rate over the past two years. But the COVID-19 disease tells only part of the story. Among seniors, the pandemic could explain the increase in mortality more easily than among younger people, where there's a gap requiring further explanation. And then they talk about that there are three distinct patterns based on age. Among those 0 to 17, 
mortality remains virtually unchanged since 2019. Among those who were 65 and older, mortality increased in 2020, dropped in the first half of 2021, coinciding with the proliferation of the COVID-19 vaccines, and then increased in the third quarter of 2021, coinciding with the emergence of the Delta variant. Now the third category, among those aged 18 to 49, mortality rose dramatically in the first half of 2020, then somewhat plateaued before increasing again in the third quarter of 2021. The 50 to 64 age group appears to be a mix of the latter two patterns. All right, so there's a, they go into a lot of detail, and I this article, by the way, I'm going to give you a little bit more information, but let me tell you that the name of the article, or the title, is Why Are Non-COVID Deaths Spiking Among Prime Age Americans? Why are non-COVID deaths spiking among prime age Americans? And keep in mind the, the key adjective there is non-COVID deaths. We're not talking about COVID deaths among these, uh, I guess it's the, the range 18 to 49, okay? So... Among those aged 18 to 65, there emerges the opposite phenomena. After exclusion of the COVID deaths, there is a significant hike in mortality. The non-COVID increase appears more pronounced in the younger age group and less in the older ones. And then it goes through and talks about the drug, the increased death from drugs and alcohol and murders. And that is there. Uh, but then they exclude it, and th- that's what I want to get to. With COVID-19 deaths excluded, and assuming drug overdoses, alcohol, and homicide deaths continued in 2021 in a similar intensity as the year before, there was still, apart from drugs, alcohol, murder, and COVID, there was still about 50,000 excess deaths last year in the 18-64 to 64 age group. Uh, so, and then of course the CDC has their own take on that, but this is, uh, I'm going to move down further in the article. It says there's a growing group of doctors and researchers who point to the COVID-19 vaccines as a possible culprit in at least part of the excess deaths last year. Um, I usually point to several psychological mechanisms through which the vaccines could cause harm combined with known side effects, as well as data from the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and that's VARS, a database of reports of health problems that have occurred after vaccination and may or may not have been caused by it. VARS reports exploded with the introduction of the COVID-19 vaccines. By January the 7th, there were over a million reports, including more than 21,000 deaths. Previously, there would be about 40,000 reports and a few hundred deaths a year. Now, this is specifically the report on injury or death from vaccines. That's what the VARS is, okay? So previously, there would be about 40,000 reports after a vaccine came out and a few hundred deaths in a year. But in, I think, January 7th, and this would be of 2020, there were over a million reports, including more than 21,000 deaths, and that was at that time. Um, So it goes on to say... There may be more of a hidden impact of COVID-19. A study published in December found that people hospitalized for COVID-19 had somewhere between two and three times the risk of dying in the following 12 months of something other than COVID than those going to a doctor but testing negative. 
Um, this is what one of the doctors, How I'm, I'm skipping around a great deal here, but uh, there's a doc, uh, lead author of a study, Arch Minus. He's the lead author, author of the study and a vice chair for research in the Department of Community Health and Family Medicine at the University of Florida. He said it looks like there is an overall impact on your body from this biological insult. And so, obviously, several people are reporting this. This is not just from Epoch Times. I've actually had several articles. I just hadn't gotten to sharing them with you. But we know, we can be pretty sure, that prime-age Americans are dying in record numbers. And uh, we believe it's related to this vaccine. And so, but, you know, I can't say that for sure, but that's what researchers researchers are pointing out. There is a sort of a turning of the tide, I think, I'm not saying we're going to be victorious here, but last night, uh, Laura Ingram had a former, um, excuse me, I'm sorry about my voice again today, a medical compliance officer, an executive, uh, who has resigned from his position uh, because of what's happening. And I want, if we have time here, let's play this. I want you to hear him. His name is John Soriano. Let's listen. Uh, My next guest used to work as an executive for a big pharma company. He recently resigned, though, over the company's decision to force vaccines on employees, writing, I'm vaccinated, but I told the company that if I, as a top exec, were expected to cheerlead for such an immoral and anti-science imposition of brute economic force, I would have to resign. Former INS med executive John Soriano joins me now. John, now you, you, you noted that Quitting wasn't a painful decision because you have means, but what about others? Because I talk to so many people who want to quit, but they can't in similar circumstances, not for pharma, but for other companies. Yes, thanks, Laura. And that's exactly right. Um, At the end of the day, it was a very easy decision uh, to make because um, when the company decided to promulgate the policy of get vaxxed or you're fired, I knew... As a top executive, I'm obligated to support the, the decisions the company made, but I could not. And so, therefore, my decision was easy. Since I resigned, I've heard from countless uh, employees, not only at my former company, but from other former companies, because a lot of them are marching in lockstep in, in doing this. And they've all said to me, gee, we really admire what you did. Um, and we also appreciate your saying that others aren't in a position to do it because we can't afford it. We need to keep our jobs. Uh, one one person I spoke to at my former company said that he was not going to get the vax for, for reasons that he had of his own, and if he was fired, he'd have to sell his house. So I think there's a lot of... Um, wow. this, this was really a decision where, again, the economically strong are taking advantage of the economically weak in enforcing this mandate. And I just yeah, it well, was just despicable. a bridge too far for me, and I couldn't support it. All right, so that's pretty courageous. Uh, he's, he's, he's uh, what, triple vaxxed, I think, John Sor- Soriana. Uh, but you heard what he said. He said, I'm, I'm not down with this. This is just wrong. Uh, and so we'll come back. He's gonna, he has another comment on that. Plus, I have, um, you know, uh, lots of things to tell you. So as long as I don't choke my way through it and you can listen, we're going to stay hang together. Well, maybe we will hang together probably in some form or fashion in this uh, day and age in the United States of America, which was once free. Uh, but stay tuned and I'll be right back. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The Raising Godly Boys Minute with Mark Hancock. Boys like toys. 
Frisbees and basketballs are inexpensive, but other toys like electric scooters or remote-controlled drones can cost a lot. When your son asks for a toy, do you always buy it for him? While toys can certainly help kids grow physically and mentally, there's value in having your son work for the extra things he wants. Younger kids can complete extra chores. Teenage boys should be given even greater responsibility. This might mean mowing lawns, washing cars, or getting a part-time job. As you help your son understand the value of hard work and how it relates to money, you're preparing him to succeed in life. And that's a job well done. For practical resources to help you guide your son as he transitions into a young man, visit TrailFUSA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. Find free resources to help you at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Reese Williams, Acting Director of the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. His agency enables the Department of Defense, the U.S. government, and international partners to counter and deter weapons of mass destruction and emerging threats. John 16.33 reminds us of the importance of peace. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Reese Williams as he works to reduce threats against our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting GOVISIT to the number 49596. Again, that's GOVISIT to the number 49596. Residents of Waverly, Tennessee, had only a few minutes' warning before a wall of water flooded their town. Shane Gannon and his wife Myra lived in a Victorian house filled with antiques. He was awakened by something that was bumping into the side of his house. He looked outside and discovered it was his Chrysler 300, now floating in the front yard. Shane waded through waters that looked like chocolate milk, helping his disabled wife get to a higher place in the house. He then turned his attention to saving the antiques. But suddenly, he heard a word from God. He left the antiques and instead grabbed the family Bible. The floodwaters rose four feet high in the Gannon house. They lost just about everything on that horrible day except for that Bible. Shane and Myra were among the lucky ones. They survived the floods and now counting their blessings, naming them one by one every day. I'm Todd Stearns. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. The Washington Post is reporting that stressed hospitals are increasingly asking staff who have the coronavirus to work while potentially infectious. Though vaccine requirements are common at hospitals, many healthcare workers are coming down with the virus, exacerbating staffing issues. John, the vaccines aren't stopping the spread for people from getting sick, so... 
when can we end this mandates work charade? They obviously don't. And in fact, positive people are allowed to come back in certain overstressed hospitals now anyway. Yes, that's exactly right. That's actually happening in the pharma industry. Again, I've been healing, hearing from lots of sales reps from, from lots of pharma companies, and it's very common. First of all, it's very not uncommon, unfortunately, for sales reps to get fired if they don't get the vax. But in other companies, um, the unvaccinated sales reps are not allowed to go to visit their customers, which in our case are doctors, even if they're virus-free. Conversely, if you've gotten the vax, you can go to visit doctor's offices and you may well be carrying the virus. Um, oh so God. it makes no sense. It makes no sense uh, economically, morally, science uh, wise. It just um, it just belies common sense. I think whenever the CDC or Dr. Fauci say something very smart, nice, um, intelligent people suspend critical thinking and just march in lockstep yeah. with whatever the well, there were thousands say, and thousands and thousands. I don't think they've deserved thousands. it. Yeah, that was, that was, again, was that was John Soriano on with Laura Ingram last night. He's the INSMED chief compliance officer, at least he was, but he just resigned and now he's speaking out. This is, you know, the medical establishment. These are the med- pharmaceutical country, companies, which um, com- for the most part, at least in leadership, have been completely compromised. It didn't just start with this vaccine. I guess it's been going on for a long time. You've heard the uh, comment big pharma. I never really understood that until this crisis. I just I had other things on my mind, and I I uh, didn't uh, you know I thought we had great medicine. I was grateful and didn't really stop to think about uh, what that money was doing and how it was corrupting these companies. And so um, and we can certainly say that America has been a gift to the world in terms of the research dollars that companies have spent on developing medications to treat just about everything. I don't know if any of you listening to me are on any medications. I think maybe so. Uh, medications for all kinds of things that have made your life easier. And we can thank God for that, that we've lived during this time. But the, but the worm has turned, it seems to me. And now there's so much money to be made and so much corruption. And now it's the, the, the dog wagging or the tail wagging the dog. It's, a, you know, we have learned that the FDA and of uh, the CDC are uh, they are completely entwined and controlled by big pharma, and so uh, interesting to me that Scott uh, Scott Gottlieb testified this week on Capitol Hill. He's the uh, the former director of the Food Food and Drug Food and Drug Administration, a current board member at Pfizer. Uh, And he said that the declining COVID-19 cases should signal to policymakers it's time to lift uh, more pandemic-related restrictions. I think certainly on the East Coast, where you see cases declining dramatically, we need to be willing to lean in and do that very soon. And I think as conditions improve, we have to be willing to relax some of these measures with the same speed that we put them in place. That well, he did that. Actually, that wasn't in testimony. The picture is him testifying before Congress at another time. He was on Squawk Box in an interview on Monday. So, um, so you know, I wonder if he's going to remain a board member at Pfizer. Seriously, really? You think he's going to get away with saying that? I wonder. All right. So um, that takes us to another uh, interview that happened last night. This one was with Tucker Carlson. And uh, this is uh, this guy is a uh, a Navy pilot. Actually, I'm going to let Tucker set this up. He introduces him, and then I want you to hear the interaction. So many of you, again, are in the military. You've written, you've asked for my help. I've just, 
I've tried to give you help, lead you to legal counsel. And otherwise, I tried to also pressure members of Congress. I've certainly done that on your behalf. It's um, it's difficult uh, because uh, we have a weak, we have weak leadership in the Republicans, and we have a, a really wicked leadership in the Democrats. You can decide for yourself if weakness is a, is wickedness. Sometimes it is. Um, uh, but we've it's very hard, boy. We everything's so broken. We have allowed our country uh, to decay to such an extent. The people's spirit, their will, their intelligence, their understanding of their own principles uh, that we are just rife for the kind of implosion that we are experiencing. All right. So last night, this was Lieutenant Colonel Scott Duncan with Tucker Carlson. Let's listen. Colonel, thanks so much for coming on. And I think of the experienced pilots that the U.S. military, the Marine Corps, this country stands to lose. You've got to be, you know, in the top quartile for experience. I think you've flown over 300 combat missions, over 200 carrier landings. I, you know, you got to kind of wonder who at the military is prioritizing a vaccine over that kind of experience defending the country. But um, what's your conclusion? Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you, sir, for the opportunity to join you tonight, uh, specifically to be able to convey our personal experiences and just understand that as an active duty service member, these views are not held by the United States Marine Corps or the Department of Defense. But uh, we do believe that, yes, we have a reasonable argument. We've asked uh, our leadership immediately, as well as our congressional leadership, to inquire as to really the cost-benefit analysis of losing several hundred very qualified aviators. Uh, The average time and grade for those aviators is 14 years, and also to to just consider the second and third order effects and consequences um, of what they have to offer. I'm not unique in my situation. There are many incredibly qualified individuals with a tremendous amount of experience, and we believe that that could be a detriment to national defense in the event we separate that many aviators. All right, so I don't think uh, we got Tucker's full introduction because the, the deal with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Duncan is that uh, he has applied for a religious exemption and for whatever reason, it hasn't been decided yet. And I think Tucker said that in all of the military, they've only they've granted so few religious exemptions. And I'm thinking he said something like two. Uh, they're just you know they're just not granting them. That that can't be an excuse for you. You can't have a religious exemption. And so uh, Tucker then turns to Lieutenant Colonel Scott and asks him about that part of his story. And this is what he says. I mean, you could make a lot more flying corporate or for the airlines than you're making now, you and all the rest of these guys. So you've got to think you're doing this for a reason, a noble reason. Let me ask you about the grounds um, of the exemption that you're requesting. It's a religious exemption. Well, how would you characterize your, the problems that you have with the vaccine? Well, the problems we had personally with the vaccine, and we understand there's a reasonable disagreeance. Um, we do disagree with the pedigree and the technology maturation over time. Uh, that's one issue. The other is just a conviction by the Holy Spirit, and I believe we are led in that fashion, and we do not have any peace about the vaccine itself. And we also believe that we have an inherent right uh, to our own body. We believe that that is a right that is conferred on us from a maker and creator, and that that is the foundation of the Constitution with which we defend. So those were all the basis primarily of the religious accommodation that has been both requested, denied, and then subsequently appealed. I mean, I just, I, I cannot resist asking you, you've flown over 300 combat missions. I assume you thought when you were flying those and risking your life and landing on carriers at night, the most dangerous thing any human being can do, that you were defending the U.S. Constitution. In other words, your right to have 
your own religious views. Didn't you think that? Yes, sir. No, we absolutely. I mean, we believe everything we've done up to date uh, in honorable service, as well as what we're doing now, is consistent with those views. Uh, that view is just not shared by some uh, leadership within the Department of Defense. And so we believe this is a very reasonable and um, above reproach way to express our concerns. Lieutenant Colonel Scott Duncan on with Tucker, Tucker Carlson. I tell you, that, that, um, that's like a knife, isn't it, in our hearts? Here's the guy who has uh, served his country so uh, faithfully, uh, trained, uh, one of the best of the best, and he's going to probably lose this. I don't know. I don't want to discourage anybody listening to me, but I think it's an uphill battle. Uh, and it's the fate of his whole family, just like um, I think it was John who contacted me several months ago who had five children. He was one of the first out. He said, I'm not doing this. I want you to know I am not going to do this. And uh, I'm going to stand strong. And he said, I don't think anybody else in my unit uh, feels this way. It takes courage and guts. And those are the kind of men God can use. And those are the kind of men that change the world, I have to say. And sometimes even in the midst of these incredibly overwhelming circumstances, God grants that their courage does change the world. So uh, that was a great exchange last night. It certainly gave Scott even though he didn't get to explain it all, he gave testimony to his faith in Christ to a national audience. And uh, I do think that those of us who are followers of Jesus, this is the time. If ever there was a time to be explicit about your faith and why it makes a difference in how you feel about things like the vaccine, the vaccine's certainly not the only thing. We have a lot of reasons to talk about uh, the hope that's within us, um, uh, our steadfastness, even as we look at the headlines and I was just reading this morning so many things like the fuel supply is dwindling, the emergency supply, because, you know, Joe Biden keeps, uh, he's shut down the pipelines. He won't let us uh, use natural gas and coal powered. Um, right now he's cutting that down. And so uh, people in the Northeast are, you know, in great danger because of, I don't mean imminently this winter, but in general, if we can't, if they can't heat their homes with oil, uh, the supply chain is causing prices to just go off the charts, and families with children on incomes that are not abundant, not like people in the Beltway who are making two, two husband and wife working, and they're making an average of, say, 150000 apiece, they're doing okay. But America's not doing okay. They're suffering, so people are getting frightened and worried, and when you can't go to the doctor— or to the hospital because you fear they're going to kill you or not give you treatment. Uh, that's, that's a concern. We have a lot of reasons, humanly, to be frightened. And yet we know that our God is in control, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, who would not bow down and thought they were going to have their heads cut off right then. That is the kind of courage God requires. Remember, we talked about this a few months ago, uh, it talks about, I think this is in Revelation, that no coward will enter. There's a whole list of disqualifications, but coward is one of them. Cowards will not enter the kingdom. And so, you know, it's time to be courageous because what if we have to lose? We have to lose. Uh, it makes life really tough, but life is really short. Uh, and it means that, uh, you know, if it means your death, it means you're going to be in to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. I know this makes no sense to people that don't know Jesus, but to those of you that do, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
that's that's what we we have to have an eternal view of this life, an eternal view. And we know that Jesus is our living hope. We don't even know quite what that means. We don't even know. We can't. But we know because we've tasted of the glories. We just had a little little taste of the glory of God on this earth. We've had a taste of the Holy Spirit. It's the earnest of our inheritance. It's the down payment. We've tasted and felt and felt the surge of his power as we serve God. So that same spirit that dwells with us, that raised Christ Jesus, dwells within us. And that's why we have hope. I'm talking to you that are Christians, and I'm I'm praying that you understand what I'm talking about because I'm trying to inject you with reality in terms of your faith and what's happening. All right, let me just uh, peg that story with a story from First Liberty this morning and our friend Mike Berry. And uh, this is what they're they're doing. Excuse me. Last, let me say, last uh, last month, uh, there was a preliminary injunction on forced mandates in the military, and that was issued by Judge Reed O'Connor, who said the Navy service members, they were representing Navy SEALs. The Navy service members in this case seek to vindicate the very freedoms they have sacrificed so much to protect. The COVID-19 pandemic provides the government no license to abrogate these freedoms. There is no COVID-19 exception to the First Amendment. There is no military exclusion from our Constitution. And so um, this is the addition now. That was last month, Judge Reed Connor. There has been a stay. So now First Liberty has amended its lawsuit on behalf of dozens of U.S. Navy SEALs to seek a class action suit. And a class action suit, I'm not sure who that includes. If that's the entire military, we need to get Michael on. We'll do that. Or if it's all of the Navy SEALs, I don't know. But a class action suit that includes all U.S. Na- uh, all U.S. Navy personnel who have requested a religious accommodation from the Navy's vaccine mandate. Um, and uh, he said, if approved, the class action will protect every U.S. Navy service member who requested a religious accommodation from the vaccine mandate. So that's that's really good news. Go Michael Berry at First Liberty. And um, uh, so be encouraged, you know, in, in terms of your faith in Christ, but also be encouraged that some good things are happening uh, on this earth. Uh, I have some other kind of uh, encouraging stories for you, people fighting back around the country, and then some not so encouraging stories of some of the other developments. But um, I hope you'll stay tuned. And thanks for listening. Thanks for bearing through my uh, whatever, like perpetual coughing. Uh, but um, I am on medication. I'm going to get over this, I promise. All right, please stay tuned. I'll be right back in a second. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. God can use persecution to strengthen the church and individuals within it. Persecution is granted to us. Don't miss this. 
What an honor to be chosen to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to die like the thief beside him, so that men enslaved to sin can see the gospel written in our flesh and believe. Gain more perspective on persecution with Jordan Shambly's article, The Victorious Persecuted Church, in the Fall 21 issue of Engage Magazine, or visit EngageMagazine.net. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. At the climax of the account, when Jesus restored Peter's personal relationship with him and Peter's call to ministry, he saw John following them. Jesus had just predicted that Peter would give his life for the gospel when Peter said, What about John, Lord? Jesus responded, What does he have to do with your calling? You follow me. With those words, Jesus hit a consistent flaw of the human condition. We derive value and self-worth by comparing ourselves to other people. Your ups, your downs, your failures, your victories were never meant to be compared to other people. We have been called to serve an audience of one. The only approval you need is His. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us. Food and lodging are provided. And again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to Laplace, Louisiana during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. According to legend, a single courageous Roman warrior named Horatius successfully defended a bridge against an invading army, sparing his city from certain destruction. It turns out that we have a Horatius in the U.S. Senate, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Yesterday, Senator Johnson convened an informal hearing about the COVID-19 virus and the toll it has needlessly taken on our countrymen and women due to governmental and media ineptitude and malfeasance. He took five hours of testimony from leading medical practitioners, vaccine victims, and other experts who participated in an extraordinary Defeat the Mandates March in Washington the day before. On this issue and the big lie about January 6th being an insurrection, Senator Johnson is single-handedly showing his Republican colleagues what they can and must do this year, even in the minority, namely expose the truth. Godspeed, Horatius Johnson. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio.
I love truckers. <laughs> I do love truckers. Uh, I'm telling you, and I'll say it again, because they deserve all the praise. Uh, they are really informed well, as they're driving. I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them are really informed. Uh, they pay attention to what's going on in the world, and during all, you know, they're afforded that opportunity as they drive these long uh, distances. And so, through the years as a talk show host, I have, you know, had a, had developed a real bond with them. I've had so many call in. They're dry, you know, I'm dry, I'm driving through Chicago and on my way to wherever I'm going, and uh, and I listen to you every day and blah blah blah. It's, it was it's it's very sweet. It's not about listening to me, but it's the fact that then they have a lot of really really insightful things to say because they are informed. Okay, so that sound you just heard is a convoy. Freedom Convoy. It's a Canadian Freedom Convoy of truckers. They're pushing back against COVID mandates and forced vaccinations. You know, Canada has gone crazy, just crazy, uh, making things horrible for their people. And the Canadians, for whatever reason, they just roll over and say, oh, yeah, that's right. And we're, we're, we, well, we're keeping the mandate. We're doing the right thing. You know, that. I'm sorry I'm mocking. Yes, I am, because I'm just disgusted with it. Uh, they've, uh, they're supposed to be so smart. Uh, I think they think their educational system is superior to ours, which it probably is right now, at least was. They gave a good education. They have a they have a really bright population. But in this, they are just stone-cold stupid. And uh, the people are accepting all of it, and uh, it's it's going to uh, wreak havoc. It already is. The, the convoy, Freedom Convoy of Truckers, the thing about them, they're going across Canada. They're driving from British Columbia all the way to the east coast of Canada, and I think they've got it going the other way too. Uh, but people, just plain folk, are coming out to support them. A lot of just regular cars are joining the convoy. I see pictures here. I've got, like, picture after picture of different places in Canada where citizens have come out to wave the Canadian flag um, and to just show their support uh, for the resistance to these mandates. And the weather looks terrible. I mean, the people are all bundled up. It looks, it looks miserable, and yet there they are. So that's the other part of it. There are some Canadians uh, that are fighting back that are not rolling over. And so for those <laughs> forgive me for putting them all in that basket, but I'd say the majority— uh, is, uh, you know, happy to go along. I There's an evangelical church in Vancouver. I just heard this week that uh, they start their services with, uh, this is not about COVID, it's about something else, that we, we apologize before we begin the service for we realize that our building is located on st- stolen indigenous people land. And then they start their worship service. Yeah, so um, anyway, so Rebel News is reporting this. The nationwide movement is being launched in a protest of a federal vaccine mandate that came into effect on January 15th requiring all commercial truck drivers across crossing into Canada to be fully vaccinated. The federal vaccine mandate for truckers has already caused significant supply chain chaos with delays and shortages affecting many regions across the country. The mandate could result in a loss of 12 to 16,000 cross-border commercial drivers according to the Canadian Truckers Alliance and so uh, they're fighting back, and God bless them for doing that. Now, some other fight back. Uh, this happened yesterday. Uh, at least it was reported yesterday. Uh, New York Supreme Court judge on Monday evening revealed, revealed <laughs> ruled is the word, ruled that Governor Kathy Hochul's mask mandate for schools and public places is unconstitutional, declaring it null, void, and unenforceable. That's amazing. 
she's the governor now uh, of uh, New York, and she's been as bad as uh, de Blasio, or as, uh, uh, yeah, Com- uh, what's his name? The firm, former mayor who fell in disgrace, Cuomo. Uh, and so she's been as bad with the restrictions as he has been. And so a New York, again, Supreme Court judge on Monday ruled her new mandates null, void, and unenforceable. So that's good news for the, for the people of New York. Meanwhile, a few days ago, I did not, this happened on Friday. So President Joe Biden's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for federal employees was blocked by a federal judge on Friday. Biden does not have the authority to impose such a mandate, U.S. District Judge Jeffrey Brown wrote in a 20-page ruling obtained by the Epoch Times. But of course, uh, once it goes to the Supreme Court, they'll figure out how they're all in. I'm sure they are. I'm sure Mr. Kavanaugh will come out with his little mask and uh, they'll tell us how somehow there's an exception to this, that because we are in such danger and because the, the whole world will, you know, we will all get COVID if we don't get the vaccine. Problem is, we're all getting COVID anyway, with or without the vaccine. But of course, common sense has nothing to do with it. But nevertheless, the federal judge ruled that, and we'll see what happens. Maybe the Supreme Court will get another pass at it, and this time they'll get it right. Do you think? You know, I was talking to someone involved in the the march uh, on the Capitol on Saturday, uh, Sunday, um, on against the mandates, and. Uh, he was saying to me that he actually wasn't in favor of organizing that march because of the cost and the trouble and uh, that nothing, you know, doesn't do any good in D.C. And I was trying to say to him, you know, uh, it actually helps more than you think um, because, the, for instance, the Supreme Court justices swim in that soup. That's for it, just to pick them out. The congressmen swim in that soup, that soup known as the District of, District of Columbia and they see when stuff is happening. They see that, and they actually are motivated to do something differently. Uh, they sit there isolated, and they don't hear from the people, and they don't read the right outlets, and uh, they are themselves also stupid. Yes, I'm sorry, that's, you know, uninformed and stupid, as smart as they are. And so uh, it, it's good to send 35,000 people to Washington and say, you know, no, this, you know, there's another way to look at this. And uh, it's killing people, by the way, and it's dangerous. It's injuring people. And besides that, everybody's getting it anyway. Why are we doing this? People are losing their jobs. Yeah, so maybe some common sense there in D.C. will spread to the Supreme Court. I hope so. Now, let me give you some other kind of um, – this is, this is kind of fun in its own way. We have to have some fun somehow. Barry Weiss is a former New York Times reporter. I haven't mentioned her to you. She's actually been doing a lot of incredible writing about a lot of things. And uh, she was on the Bill Maher show. And I want you to hear her exchange with Bill Maher. And um, also, though, listen to the audience response as she makes her comments on COVID. This is Barry Weiss, former former New York Times writer. I'm done with COVID. I'm done. It's like I... I went so hard on COVID. I sprayed the Pringles cans that I bought at the grocery store, stripped my clothes off because I thought COVID would be on my clothes. Like, I did it all. I watched Tiger King. I got to the end of Spotify. Like, we all did it, right? No, no, we didn't all do it. Well, here's the thing. A lot of us us did do it. And then we were told, you get the vaccine. You get the vaccine and you get back to normal. And... We haven't gotten back to normal. And it's ridiculous at this point. I know that so many of my liberal and progressive friends are with me on this, and they do not want to say it out loud because they are scared to be called anti-vax or to be called 
science denial or to be, you know, smeared as a Trumper. I'm sorry, if you believe the science, you will look at the data that we did not have two years ago, and you will find out that cloth masks do not do anything. You will realize that you can show your vaccine passport at a restaurant and still be asymptomatic and carrying Omicron. And you will realize, most importantly, that this is going to be remembered by the younger generation as a catastrophic moral crime. The city of Flint, Michigan, which is 80%, I think, minority students, has just announced indefinite virtual schooling. In the past two years, we've seen among young girls a 51% increase in self-harm. People are killing themselves. They are anxious. They are depressed. They are lonely. That is why we need to end it more than any inconvenience that it's been to the rest of us. I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's like at this point, it's a pandemic of bureaucracy. It's a pandemic of bureaucracy. It's not, it's not real anymore. No, it isn't real anymore. Barry Weiss, though, former New York Times reporter, boy, how long is she going to, you know, live on the earth? I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, Bill Meyer agrees with her, and that's what he said. No, he didn't all do that because he didn't. And so uh, there are some hopeful signs, I think. But you have to understand that the, uh, the, the, the power, and it is tremendous power that they have accrued through this, are not stopping. In fact, they're doubling down, and I want to give you a couple examples uh, this reminds me of our uh, of our friend Deborah Doster, who was my guest, who has been taken off the kidney transplant list at Vanderbilt University because she will not be vaccinated. And uh, this is a Boston patient. Uh, he was on the top of the transplant list list for a heart. He's only thirty one years old, and they just announced uh, that they that his parents just told him he has been he was first on the line and he's just been taken off. And they're denying it because he won't be vaccinated. And, of course, ironically, think about this. We know that the cases of myocarditis in young men after they've been vaccinated are elevated. They're significant. And so they want him to take the vaccination, he who needs a heart. At, at 31, it just, it's just, it's, it's wicked. There's nothing less to say than that. It's not, they're not, they're not, they're not dumb. It's not that they don't know. It's abject evil uh, to do what they're doing to people. And meanwhile, this reminds me of another one that came to my mind through Mike Cernovich, through his tweet. This is what he says. He says, the FDA is trying to make it so that people in Florida die of COVID. They'll kill people to harm Republicans. Steal yourselves for the evil that is being unleashed. And what's he talking about? He's talking about this. This is a, this is a press release that I just saw this morning from the the Florida Department of Health, this evening, without any advance notice, and this is, uh, what night, this is January 24th, so last night, this evening, without any advance notice, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration revised the emergency use authorization of BAM, LAM, well, anyway, it's monoclonal antibodies and Regeneron. The revised EUAs do not allow providers to administer these treatments within the United States. Unfortunately, as a result of this abrupt decision made by the federal government, all monoclonal antibody state sites will be closed until further notice. You think Mike Cernovich is exaggerating? I don't think so. Listen to that. They're stopping. They're stopping immediately treatments from with monoclonal antibodies. You know, um, since I've been sick, I'm not sure I said this, but I had a 
let's just say at a place that I went to get uh, early on when my husband was so sick, ivermectin, and I had COVID also and got ivermectin. And uh, they they have been, uh, they, they lost a court battle uh, with um, uh, Medicare and Medicaid, uh, and they now cannot give it. And they can't even give so many treatments and say, we can't give you this, we can't give you that. I don't have COVID, uh, just to be clear. Uh, but um, I could have, and I, I mean, I thought maybe I could have caught it again, but I did not because I had it before. Maybe I have this thing called natural immunity. But my point right now is that they're restricting the government, the agencies, the authorities are restricting treatments for people to help them co- recover from COVID. It is just unbelievably wicked. How dare they do this? And how dare the medical establishment allow this? Uh, We're going to do a very long conversation. It will probably air this Friday with uh, a a woman who's been researching the the financial benefits in more detail to hospitals. And um, not doctors. I don't think, I don't know if doctors are being incentivized, but we'll talk about that with her. Uh, But hospitals certainly are making money hand over fist by letting people die. It's an absolutely shocking story. We have told it in part, I've been talking about since the beginning, about the financial incentives to give incentives to give remdesivir, uh, to have patients die of COVID and all of that. But this, there's more of a breakdown now, and I think that you will be stunned. I was stunned. Uh, it's, it's just, um, when have we ever been in a day and age, at least people hid their greed, uh, some, Uh, in the past, but they're not hiding it now. It's all out greed and avarice and murder for money. And that's where we are. Uh, But that's not where we are because that's not the final story because they think they can control the world, but they can't. The bad news is they cannot control the world and someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the uh, God of all justice will exact justice on each and every one of them. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.